This is a Strips Trust podcast. All news and all views expressed in the podcast are those of the contributors, not necessarily those of Morecambe Football Club. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, I believe me. Blessing in the land is Morecambe FC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as me. Blessing in the land is Morecambe FC. Hello and welcome to episode eight of Shrimpnet uh, of this season. Anyway, the podcast of the Shrimps Trust here at Morecambe FC uh, today to discuss the relevant uh, events at the Mazuma with uh, Dastardly and Mutley as usual. We have our house-trained boardroom Sven Garley with his insider knowledge, um, Charlie Appleyard. Welcome along, Charlie. Thank you, please. Uh, and joining him, uh, we have our newly recruited head of recruitment. I thought that was quite a n- nippy little title. Uh, and it's Greg Strong. Thanks for joining us, Greg. My pleasure. Lovely to be here. Well, well, you, well you, you might not say that at the end of it, but you might say it now. But that's oh, but I say it now. Yeah, say it now. You might you might change your mind. Um, so for those listening to this, uh, most people listen to this, uh, obviously, probably before the game, Cambridge game or, or soon after it, at any rate. Uh, we've got a win, Joel. We've got a win. Hooray! Um, 2-1 win at Forest Green. Um it was quite a quite um it's quite a decent game actually, wasn't it? It was quite, you know, there was quite a few chances. Just before I come to all three of you to comment on it, my take on it was obviously saw the game, um, watched it, watched it back on iFollow, you know. Um, I thought I thought despite the fact that we didn't have that much possession, I thought we were we had the better chances. And what's starting to pee me off is that this is never ever reflected in what ITV show on their highlights package at night, at 11 o'clock at night, they showed, they showed our two goals and Forrest Green with three attempts on goal. And I'm like, yeah, they scored one of them, but they didn't, the other two, they showed. We hit the bar. We had one cleared off the line. Their keeper made a great save. Every week that happens to us, and that's my paranoia out of the way. Joel, over to you. Yeah, to be actually, I was a bit annoyed about that. I don't usually watch the... Uh... The show because well we haven't won all season so I'm usually a bit of a sulk so I don't watch it. Uh, but tonight I thought I'd stay up and then yeah I stayed up till about oh, quarter to one and then yeah for the highlights to be not very reflective. But you know what I don't really care because we won. So uh, but yeah I thought it was a really kind of just a really solid kind of counter attacking performance really. Yeah. yeah. I think we kind of like I think we let Forest Green play into our hands really because they obviously tried to play out from the back a bit. But they're not as good at it as, say, a Sheffield Wednesday or some of the, the biggest sides in the division. So we, it felt like we were, especially away from home, we were very, very, very happy just to really just let them fail to break us down. And, and that's kind of how it panned out, I felt, for a lot of it. And then, yeah, just hitting them on the break. I thought, yeah, it probably wasn't the most sparkly performance because it was kind of very just let them have the ball let them pass themselves to death then hit them on the break but it was it was really effective and you know we've it's been spoken about a bit already like the numbers if you look at the underlying numbers from the game it's very much in our favor if you you know put it to the eye test and forget what the itv highlights have watch the whole game you can see that you know we have way more high we have far more better chances so really successful performance there was some really good you know really good bits of play Cole Stockton he looks like he's getting his kind of he's finding his kind of mojo again a little bit because obviously yeah. he's been out for quite a while so it takes a little bit to get going Kieran Phillips unbelievable again it's uh I, I love the way he just 
always is finding little patches of space to get in behind and stretch the fence. It's fantastic. You know, he, he does it several times a game. It's really good. And Rawson, of course, fantastic. Great head uh, to win it at the end. But also, you know, a rock all game. Uh, nice for him to go back to his uh, old club as well and do that in stoppage time. And yeah, and just a word in general for on the field. I think it's fantastic. You know, I think we've, we've spoken about it a bit. And to be honest, Sadly, probably wasn't the, the biggest game to show them off. Maybe we'll see a, a bit more of them against Cambridge. But when, when they get the ball, they're, they're so tidy on it. Like Shaw, Weir and Taylor, the, the, the fantastic footballers. And they work hard defensively as well. So, yeah, it, things are starting to shape up really nicely. But overall, thoroughly deserve win and a really good kind of effective counter-attacking performance. And uh, Greg, I'll, I'll, I'll come to you for a comment. There's, um, as an ex-professional yourself... Uh, there is surely, after being a goal down, there is surely no better way to win a game than in the 93rd minute from a set piece. Uh, and you and it, you, you think, what are we going to do here? Oh, let's deliver this to the back post and hope our big centre-half gets on the end of it. And there's no time to reply. And as an ex-pro, you're thinking, yeah, that's that's absolutely perfect, that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 100%. And especially, like you said, going back to his old club, and yeah. scoring is is a conversation that me, me and Faz had before he signed. Actually, um, I had a good few conversations with him about how dominant he is in the air, but how few goals he scores. You know, compared to you know, he wins probably ninety percent of the headers and the rest of the pitch. Um, so my point was, it can only be a mental thing why you don't do it in the opposition box. Obviously, yeah. it's more congested, but you can do it. You know, so me and him have a have a little bit of a joke about him scoring, you know, and he's obviously on two now, you know. And I said, you know, between him and Ryan, you would be expecting double figures from them between them, you yeah. know, for the for the season. And I don't think that's unrealistic. Uh, and I think it's targets that them two should be setting themselves, you know, because even Ryan could have scored as well, a couple yeah. of couple of chances, a couple of free headers, yeah. um, and it's just that belief. You know, when you believe you're going to score, when you believe you're going to get on the end of things in the opposition's box, it does become, well, success breeds success. The more you score, the more you feel like you're going to score, you know. So hopefully that that continues as well. So, yeah, I was really pleased for him and uh, it was great for him to do against his old club. And like I say, great team team performance. I think think the discipline, how solid the player, the lads were, stuck to the game plan. Uh, and I think we always looked a threat, you know, with the two up front and like said, with the quality of midfield. Uh, I think we're a little bit of a worry for teams now. You know, I don't. I think I don't think teams can just throw men forward. It keeps people honest when they're playing against us now. I think that's a good point actually, because um, as as Joel alluded to there, that we, we we've spoken about it the last couple of couple of weeks on the podcast and the fact that. Uh, signing these young and hungry, hungry midfielders, two on loan and one signed in Jake Taylor, all of a sudden it's it's created a bit of a different dynamic because the the we can see that that one goes, the other two stay, and uh, you know, and they take it in turns, so they so they're using the sprints, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But we're we're just we 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 tended to be a little bit more. What's the word I'm looking for? Probably a little bit more measured in midfield rather than getting rid quick and trying to follow it up. Yes. Yeah, I, I think that the players who, who have come in, and also with the players who, who are already at the club, you know, they've got some good players who are already at the club. It's not just the new ones who have come in. Um, 
they've got good qualities. They've got good qualities and they've got that composure, you know, which you need in, in the heat of battle, you need good composure and you need to be able to take a breath, take a touch and pick the right pass. And I think with the combination that we've got in there, I think we've got a good combination who, who can all do them things, you know, take a breath at the right time and pick the right pass. Um, and with the two up front now, one into feet with Cole, who's obviously he's a strong boy and likes to come into feet, and the threat with Kieran running in behind, it's a good combination that I know myself playing as a centre-half, it, it, it causes you a lot of problems. You know, do you go in really tight and leave a space in behind? It's, it, it is a problem that hopefully we will be causing teams. And uh, Charlie, you you were uh, the, the I believe the uh, the lone uh, boardroom attendee at, uh, at the new lawn on Saturday. So uh, that was uh, that was probably a great game to be at. Our first one of the season away from home, ninety third minute. Yeah, things don't get much better than that, do they? No, it's just uh, two times I've been to Forest Green in in, in the last uh, couple of seasons. We've scored in the ninety third, ninety fourth minute. Um, it was great to see. Yeah, I, I, you could just tell we were going to win. You could tell we, you could tell we were going to get enough chances, and they looked a lot more confident. Thought thought that, Greg. They looked really, really confident, as if as if the new was going to happen. It was, you know, I think that's come from over the last few weeks and building building momentum. But you know, you could tell they were going to get at least two, three more chances. And I heard on another podcast today that Forest Green didn't have a shot after sixty minutes. No, didn't have a single shot. So you know, by the by the <laughs> By the powers of average, average uh, numbers of shots, zero versus two or three, you're going to have your one away. But it was just great to see. And uh, uh, Derek was absolutely buzzing afterwards, which was really good. He was, he was obviously very relieved because, you know, Greg, Derek and I have had a few chats for the last few weeks. So it's been coming on, Greg. Derek's not been worried at all. He's been very confident. Yeah, I think, I know I'm not the only one to say it, but when you look at the run of fixtures that we've had, we have had difficult fixtures, you know. And I, and I know, listen, you can look at the league and you, you say you're always going to have difficult fixtures. Yes, we are. But there have been some really tough ones that we've had. And I don't think we've disgraced ourselves in a lot of them. I think we've actually, there's been parts in games that you've looked and gone, yeah, I can see that working. I can see us being solid defensively and hard to break down. I can see us being able to control games a little bit better in midfield and I can see us being a threat up top as well. Um, so then things, listen, breed it, uh, winning breeds confidence, you know, and there's no doubt about that. And good performances without wins for a long sustained t- uh, period of time, they do have a adverse re- uh, effect on your confidence. But that win has sort of backed up what I think some of the performances have deserved as well. You know, and, and I know Derek said it as well, but I, I think we should have had another couple of wins on there ourselves as well. I think there's a lot to be said in in, uh, in taking everybody's point. Really, there was that there was a, there was a it's something I hadn't really thought about. But what you mentioned there, Charlie, uh, there was a composure. Uh, I think it's important to mention going a goal down and then coming back to take the three points, and that we didn't look panicky at any point. Uh, and that's a good thing, Joel, because obviously, you know, that, that does show that we've got that composure and we've got that confidence. Yeah, I think if we look back to Derek's first spell in charge and, uh, and and that promotion season, not getting, not taking those kind of knockbacks to heart too much and just kind of getting on with it was a bit of a hallmark. And obviously another hallmark of that season was scoring a lot of late goals. Yeah. And I think that was set up 
I think if we look back at that season, we scored a late goal against Cheltenham to win on the opening day. And that kind of really set the tone for the rest of the season. I think if I look back at last season, there was a couple of late goals we conceded very early on. There was Ipswich away and they scored a 90-something minute equaliser. And then obviously a few weeks later, which I think really kind of prompted a big downturn in form, was uh, losing against Wimbledon in the last minute. And I think these kind of things are quite hard to really put your finger on. They are a little bit intangible sometimes. But I think it does show that these these moments can kind of set a tone throughout the season. And given the late goals we would score under Derek in that promotion season, how we would fight back from, from positions where we maybe go behind or suffer setbacks, I think it's good to see that kind of similar belief and character to be able to come back like we did against Forest Green from a goal down and then get that last-minute goal. Now, I think that's a really promising sign. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's... Um... Sorry, sorry to boss in there, David. Well, no, no. Uh, but I, I think it's it's probably testament as well to how hard the lads have worked pre-season. You know these these late goals because yes, there's belief and character and things that get you the goals, but you've got to be fit enough to get into them positions as well uh, and, and keep going and knocking on the door. And I was there for a good few of the pre-seasons as a pre-season sessions as I have been with Derek over a number of years. And I know that there won't be many clubs who have worked harder than we have, than our players have during pre-season. Yeah, and I you... know there's times when you're dragging yourself off the floor and looking and thinking, I can't go again. But they prove to themselves that they can go again. You know, and I think some of the boys are in really good condition. So that, those uh, those pals of puke on the side of the training ground prove that they've done the training. Yeah, they've they, they put in the hard yards, yes. Team, I think the the defenders trust the goalies. The goalies are both excellent. You've yeah. got three guys in central defence who are all you know amazing players, and you've got the wing backs. You know, Gibbo got subbed on Saturday, absolutely livid because that, that, that because that was great to see the character how much you want to play. Um, and the midfielders, you know, the people who are playing and not playing. Look at the guys on the bench who aren't playing. <laughs> they were they were starting last year and they're good players. And then you've got good good substitutes. And then I think I think Cole likes playing with uh, Phillips. They're going to have a good partnership. And then you've got Arthur and Dylan and all those guys to bring on. There's lots lots of variety, and I think it's taken seven, eight, nine, ten games of um, playing together to get the bond going. I think. And I think that's a good time to move on to the J, uh, to the Papa John's. I was going to say JPT then. That's that's aging it, isn't it. The Papa John's on Tuesday night, which. Uh, was you know, um, being honest, the 90 minutes was probably up there with refelt in the shed roof, but <laughs> in pouring rain. But, um, it was what it was. Um, as as um, as as Charlie's just said, there we gave nine changes, uh, so lots of people got 90, 90 minutes. Uh, Anthony O'Connor did well, Ryan Cooney did well. I thought Jacob Beddo for me was the man of the match, but they gave it Coons, and I understand why. And uh, there was plenty of people who, who did themselves, you know, hard yards, getting the minutes in. Uh, just it was, it was, shall we say, it was frustrating to watch at times because both teams' ball retention was absolutely bloody awful. Uh, and it, sometimes you get games like that. You get games where it's going to be, you know, uh, if you if you see sort of fifty games a season, there's going to be three or four where you think. Well, that was instantly forgettable. But the great thing about the, the Papa John's is obviously you can get the drama of penalties at the end. And that's what I'm coming to now, because I'm just like, we have turned into 
the Germany or the West Germany of uh, of penalty kicks, Joel. This is fabulous to watch. It was never in doubt, was it? I know. Yeah, to, I mean, we're saying about confidence breeds confidence. It's you know, <laughs> it looks like the way in the penalties as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, the game itself. I think with the with the Papa Johns. We're, a lot of the teams are going to be making lots of changes. I think Hartlepool made quite a lot of changes. We made nine, obviously. And I think you're either it's either going to go two ways a lot of the time, isn't it? You're either going to have a, an Everton situation where things are a little bit chaotic and you have a lot of goals, or you're going to have like last night where players made you haven't played so much recently, got a bit of rust or whatever, um, haven't quite gelled yet because it's kind of like a lot of people who've been on the bench out the squad. So you know it doesn't quite click. I think both I think both teams that was probably the case last night but like you say it's good to get minutes in them and then yeah fantastic penalties I think uh I think we've missed one I I I, I tweeted that we'd score 15 out of 17 but I, I was wrong actually it's 16 out of 17 out I was corrected 17. yeah so that's yeah that's, that's a ridiculous conversion rate so uh yeah it's nice to see that because I think historically we haven't always had the best record at penalties I think I remember there was one season I think it was one Jim Jim Bentley's final seasons. I think we had like five penalties uh, in the league throughout the season. I think we missed three of them. Yeah, uh, something like that. So it's nice to see. Saved, so how, many, how, how many been saved or missed by by the opposition? Oh, I don't know. That's I'm showing myself up here. Can't was, oh, one, two, three, six, oh, five. I think five missed by the opposition. There you go. So he, he, he was, actually, yeah, actually, just quit on that quickly. Actually, uh, Adam Smith, fantastic couple of saves, especially that first one. That was a really good save. I thought the second one was really good as well, but that first one especially was fantastic. You know, he's not had a lot to do all game, and obviously, as I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, Barry's got his water bottle sorted for Adam, and uh, he's come up trumps, hasn't he? Yeah, I think uh, I think I will come to Greg now because obviously is that is that what you do, Greg? Sign people who can take penalties and then and then uh, uh, look at what how good they are afterwards. <laughs> yeah, it's number one priority, you know, <laughs> <laughs> number one on the checklist. Um, but no, the the lads have been fantastic, and, and like you say, it's irrelevant to the competition. It's still nerve wracking, you know, getting up there and and taking that penalty. Uh, and fair play to the lads; they've shown. You know, good good courage, good composure again, and, and obviously really good technique, you know, to finish the penalties off. Um, so fair play to them. And, and like I said before, we're, we're very fortunate to have two, well, three very good goalkeepers, you know, with Andre as well out on loan. Uh, three really good goalkeepers who push each other on every single day, you know, to get better. Yeah. And actually, with all the penalties as well, they're not, they're not like mistakes by the goalie. They're absolutely unsavable penalties. Out those 15 and 16 is probably... 13 or 14 unsavable. Yeah, I think I think the one that was probably savable was the winner against Stoke from Shane McLaughlin, yeah. which he, he sort of <laughs> shanked a bit, didn't he? But he got there because he filled the keeper. So I suppose that's fair enough. And I'll, I'll, I'll come to you, Charlie, now, because obviously I, that that Tuesday afternoon, I took the dogs out for a walk uh, and I was on Heesham Cliffs and who was there but Barry Roach on his phone. Uh, and I saw, obviously, I said hello, and uh, we, yeah, he said, I said, having a quiet moment, Barry. He was like, yeah, 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 just doing a bit of research, and that's what he was doing. He was looking at people's penalties. So how funny is that? It, it pays off in the end, doesn't it? Yeah, brilliant. Barry's a, Barry's a very diligent guy, and we're very lucky to have him on board. Very good, very good goalie as well, you might remember. Yeah, fantastic goalie. Uh, and obviously, 
Um, if we can get Connor and Adam to score like um, like Barry scored the equaliser against Portsmouth in the 93rd minute, strangely enough, that'd be good as well. But um, looking at the JPT, um, it's quite a good money spinner for the club, Charlie. I mean, I know we don't get as much for the draw, but winning on penalties, but um, it hasn't quite, particularly hasn't caught the, the public's eye uh, for me. And this is only personal since since the un, under under 23s came into it from all the Premier League clubs. I think there was there was there was more interest when there were conference clubs in it, and you know uh, that's how we first got it when we were in the conference. And I think it's lost a little bit of that kudos bringing the under 23s in. But obviously, there are better financial implications for the club, aren't there? Yeah, it's Greg. No, Dave wants to win every game. He wants to win the trophy, only Greg. You know, he wants to go all the way. We get money on the way. The penalty shootouts are really, really exciting. You know, people will probably go and watch these games to, you know, maybe we get to Harrogate with us to, um, for the Annapurna Derby in a couple of few weeks' time to uh, see another one. Is that, it's looking really close, isn't it? If, uh, if Harrogate beat the under-21s, then it's going to be a very, 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 it's not going to be dead rubber at all. It's going to be a very important game, the Harrogate game. All to play for. Yeah. So can we go all the way? Come on, guys. Can we go all the way all the way by penalties, Joel? <laughs> Easily, of course. I mean, on, on current form, why not? Why not? Why can't we? We, we you know, we, 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 there's about six games left. Six, six more penalty shootouts. We can win that. <laughs> I like your confidence. <laughs> and uh, like you say, uh, Greg, no pressure. <laughs> I don't say the pens. Um, but no, you know what? We, we won it in my time when we was at uh, Salford. And it is quite funny because the game seemed at this stage. I mean, I was out on Tuesday there. I was watching Tramier against Bolton. I don't actually get to come to many of our games, obviously. I'm always somewhere else. But um, the atmosphere is not, <clears throat> not the same. The crowd's not the same. The no. tempo of the games isn't the same. But once you get through the group stage, you know, all of a sudden people realise you can get to Wembley. It, it does come again, yeah. you know, where all of a sudden the intensity does come and yeah. the crowds do come back in and the interest comes back. And like I said, for us as a club, winning games is always good. Whatever you're playing, pre-season games, cup games, whatever it is, it's always the aim and it always should be the aim. Uh, but obviously it has a, a financial effect on the club as well, which obviously comes hand in hand, which is... A good thing as well for us. Well, a few years, quite a few years ago, we had a we had a bit of a run, and we got to the we actually got to the Northern Area Final against Grimsby, and uh, we actually ended up losing at home. And I think we we I think we lost one nil away as well. But that was a horrible atmosphere at Grimsby because we were taking it serious, as were Grimsby, because there was like seven thousand there that night, and yeah. it was a very very intimidating atmosphere. Uh, uh, but that was because there was Wembley at stake, and. Uh, it was it was certainly a big game that day, so so we we probably made a few quid out of that. So it's a good thing to do, uh, but like you say, the early stages I don't think it quite catches fire. But I mean, we'll see. I'll, I'll take it. Like you say, it's all set up for the Harrogate game, Charlie, and uh, the Annapurna Derby, as you called it. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be good. We're going up there, and uh, yeah, we just got to not concede any goals. So get, get eleven men behind the ball, ninety minutes, get penalties, and win. <laughs> there you are. That, that's the tactics sorted, Greg. Just tell Derek. <laughs> so I'll, I'll come to you now, Greg. Um, obviously, this you had a, a fairly a fairly distinguished career. Um, you started started with um, your, your, your home, was it your hometown club? 
Well, I'm sort of from, from Allerton, which is sort of in between Bolton and Wigan. Wigan. So, so, well, Bolton, well, you ended up Bolton and Wigan, so you've, yeah. you've done both of them, haven't you? So, yeah, yeah. But then he had a, he had a, a good period of, at Motherwell, uh, and that's where you played with Derek Adams, is that right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I went uh, my first spell that I went, I went on loan uh, from Bolton. Uh, I was at Bolton at a time when a lot of good players were being signed and a lot of money was being spent. Seems like pennies now, but it was a lot of money at the time. Uh, club record seems to be being broken week after week. Difficult for a younger player to get in. Uh, so I went on loan to Motherwell, uh, who were just, I think we was third, fourth at the time, who was fighting for Europe uh, to get into Europe. And it was at a time when the SPL was roaring really you know a lot of good players going there a lot of big money being spent yeah. you know it was a time when I think Tor Andre Floor was bought from Chelsea I think it was probably about 11 million which I don't think them figures have been repeated again since and it's a long time ago Chris Sutton John Hartson Henrik Larson you know uh, there was there was big big names in in a lot of the teams there as we spoke about before um we was unfortunately missed out last game of the season uh, by a point getting into Europe and then in the summer, they, they agreed to sign me and pay a little bit of money. More fool than maybe, but they, they paid a little bit of money for me. And, uh, and yeah, I, I spent some good time there. And obviously, that was where I, I got to know Derek. And and obviously, you had, uh, I've come to the, the shirt that you've got there, uh, Claudio Canigia, um, uh, he made his debut uh, and uh, you kicked him around a bit, I understand. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was a time when uh, Dundee, they invested quite a lot of money and brought in a lot of Italian, Argentinian, Spanish players, good players, really good players. But to be fair, they weren't shy as well at putting <laughs> themselves about a little bit. You know, there was a there's a there's a few of ours who took kicks as well. But yeah, I was fortunate enough. I marked him for the day and he scored a wonder wonder goal on the on, on the day as well, which one of the few that probably wasn't my fault. <laughs> but he scored a great goal. I managed to get his shirt after the game. And, uh, and there it is. Um, uh, look, look, got a special place behind you, and quite understandably, really. So, um, so it, you, we, you came to us from as head of recruitment from Salford. Was that the Derek thing? Was that the Derek connection, or uh, was had you always kept in touch? Or how yeah. So we um, we met again. Actually, I came back to England, played a little bit, played for Hull. And, few clubs and then I was involved in a swap deal and I went back to Livingston who were in the SPL again um, and Derek signed as well at Livingston so we played together there as well um, and we'd always kept in touch you know because I I went into management in the Welsh Premier League um, and Derek was at a higher level than I was and doing well so yeah I used to ring him and pick his brains at times as I did with a lot of old players who I'd played with and Billy Davis who had managed us just looking yeah. for advice and help. Um, we always kept in touch. And then when he got the Plymouth job, yeah. um, he called me up and I just left after six years managing at the same club, uh, just left in that summer, uh, needed something new. Uh, and Derek just accepted the Plymouth job and literally there was hardly any time in between. And he offered me the role of head of recruitment. Uh, Chief Scout, Head of Recruitment at Plymouth, uh, and we spent well, three that's, years. That's a big move, isn't it? I mean, obviously, as a professional footballer, you're used to moving around, 
Uh, so I suppose you get used to that. Well, you, you've been to Scotland a few times, came back to Hull, went back to Scotland again. Then you, you, you took the players' manager's job at Rill, as you've said. So you've done you've done just about every country. But then Plymouth, being the sort of southwest, that's that's quite a big upheaval, isn't it? It is. But I, I mean, I, I was fortunate. I had a good relationship with Derek. Derek, hopefully, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure he does trust me. He knows he knows I work hard and I do my thing. But I suppose when we spoke about it. To be head of recruitment, chief scout at Plymouth, probably the worst place you could live is Plymouth. <laughs> you know, I don't mean that in a horrible way, but there's no. No, there's no grounds around. There's nowhere for you to go. It's two and a half hours to get to Bristol. Yeah. You know, your exit is still an hour, you know, and then you've got talking. So being there and being based there wouldn't logistically work. Me being where I was here, still in the same place in the near Manchester, I could get to so many more games and cover so many more bases that it didn't yeah. really make sense for me to live in Plymouth. Obviously, I needed to go there at times to have meetings and catch-ups and make sure that I wasn't a stranger to the, the rest of the staff. Yeah. Uh, but we made it work, and it did work, and we had uh, we had some really good success, you know, during our time there. And then, like I say, so it was a, a really natural progression then when uh, Derek returned to us sort of like, uh, in sort of January, February, for us this this year, uh, and we 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 had a head of recruitment, but obviously Martin left. Uh, so Derek's first choice was you, or did you approach him, or how did it work? Yeah, it, let's say it was. Uh, I think my time at Salford it was coming to a natural, a natural end. You know, it's a it's a tough environment there, and it's uh, it's very demanding. You know, in high 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 pressure, you know, daily. Uh, so my time there was was coming to a an end. You know, like I said, mutual one, not a problem. Um, and obviously, this this position was open, so it just seemed to work perfectly. Yeah. So I'm going to hand you uh, that's that's the easy bit. I'm going to hand, hand you over to Joel now. And uh, uh, my phone's just going. I just need to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. I mean, can you hear me? Can you hear me? No, you can't. Oh, yeah, there it is. I'm just going to Right, yeah. No, I'll start with an easy one. I think, uh, we obviously, with the, the, the position and the way that a head of recruitment works with the manager, I think we saw this with the previous setup with Stephen Robinson and Martin Foyle, that they he brought Martin in because they were quite close and they had a good working relationship. And it feels like Derek's done the same with yourself because you've got a good working relationship. So how, how important is that, that you are kind of getting on and, and you're kind of joined up in your thinking in that role between manager and uh, head of recruitment? Yeah, for, for a few reasons. I mean, one is we have to speak regularly. We have to speak, communicate, um, run over the games that I've seen, the players that I've seen and, and vice versa and, uh, and share opinions. So you've got to have a relationship to be able to do that as often as we do uh, to start off with. And, and secondly, I mean, like I say, I've worked with Derek, you know, for a long time before, and I know what Derek looks for, you know, in, in, in terms of a, a profile for each position. I know what Derek Adams team looks like. And I know how Derek wants to win games. And, and I know the thing, the sort of ingredients that need to go into that cake to, to make it. Um, I'd like to think I, I do anyway. He might disagree, but um, together I think we 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 see similar things, and I, I at times have got to see things through his eyes because ultimately it's not my team. 
it's it's Derek's team and I need to see things and understand exactly what he expects, you know, with and without the ball from every position. So I was going to kind of lead into asking, does Derek ever kind of give you a brief of like what kind of player I want a player with X and Y characteristics in the field? Or is it kind of a more kind of organic, natural back and forth kind of conversation? No, we have um, we have sort of player KPIs for each position, you know, that, uh, that we look for. Uh, certain characteristics for each position where if they don't fit into that profiling, we're not going to sign them. So we, when it comes into the melting pot at the end of the decisions, when the, we've got maybe five in each position, there shouldn't be anyone in any of them five who don't fit the profile. Otherwise, it shouldn't be in there. So they're all then, it's a discussion of, are they available? Are they affordable? And if they are, do they want to come? You know, and, and the, the the questions then, and then we pick our, our best one or our best one, that's bad wording. We pick our number one priority or number one target um, and we work from there. But it's not always as, just as simple as that because that's our thinking. But you've also got a lot of other clubs with similar sort of thinking as well who then you've got to put the gloves on and have a fight to try and get the players. So I guess that that's probably quite... Uh... The less fun side of the job, so obviously the fun stuff is, I imagine, is watching the players, evaluating them, discussing them all. And I guess the less fun side is fighting out with other clubs uh, to sign them. Yeah, it's tough. It's, it's very tough, you know. You need to try and find a niche. You need to try and find uh, something that makes us above the others, you know. And, and sometimes, like I say, it might not be financial, but... They might be a squad player somewhere else. They might have competition where they're not going to get as many games as they are at ours. We might be fighting against a team who can offer bigger finances in a lower league. We've got to, we've got to use our focus on be a League One player and try and climb that ladder again. And I think we've been we've been, we've done well with that. You know, with some of the players that we've got, uh, and I know it was mentioned earlier that we've got some good young hungry players. Uh, I'd agree with that because having meetings and speaking with some of the players when they were coming in, a lot of the players were looking up the way. You know, they weren't, and please don't say this in the wrong way, they weren't looking at coming here and getting Morecambe tattoos and being here for the rest of their life. They're looking at coming here and I want to be a championship player or I want to play here and I want to do this, which is brilliant for everyone, you know, because that's what we want. We want good players. Yeah, exactly. You kind of want that reputation of, being able to give that platform to other players, don't you? Because that kind of builds over time, I imagine. Yeah, 100%. You know, and once once you give that, and, and like I said, last year, one's gone to Luton, and once you start building a, a reputation like that, all of a sudden, it becomes easier, and you've got a story to tell to bring the next ones in. So going back to kind of, you mentioned about KP, having certain KPIs for, for, for players, I knew, oh, I, was gonna... like that. I knew you like <laughs> I was, I was gonna... smiling away inside. I'm thinking, oh, Joel love that. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of wondering how much is that? So when when you're scouting players, is it how much does data play a role in it much, or is that kind of partly just kind of watching them and and you kind of designate those KPIs? Yeah, the data data can be used for sort of identifying a player that we may not have seen or maybe flying under the radar uh, and over. 
and sort of performing at a good level but not being seen the same. So it can can work at that, but it can work at the end as well, sort of top and tail really, for validating your decisions on who you've watched. We've watched maybe someone three, four, five times. These are our opinions of them. Can the data back that up? And most of the time it does. Um, but I don't I don't think we're a club and certainly I don't think Derek's a manager who, who would ever sign a player just purely on data, you know, because I think there are so many things that you can't measure on data, you know, that sort of attitude, you know, resilience. Uh, how do they how do you react to mistakes? How do you react to adversity? None of these things can be covered aggression, confidence, you know, all of these things, they, they can't be covered by data. The you gotta be there, you gotta see it, you gotta smell it. So Don't say I... you're saying about that, sir, Joe. You want you want to say yes all on data. No, 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 so not at all. You gotta combine it. So uh, that's kind of, it's, it's what we want to hear really. But like uh in terms of kind of evaluating those kind of personalities and, and characters, obviously I imagine part of it does come from watching and how they how they apply themselves on the pitch, but also at the same time, uh what what kind of steps do you take to try and maybe speak to people in the game who know them and kind of get an understanding of their character? Always, you know, or, or it's something that I've always done. Um, references are, are big, but you just need to be careful at times because you can go for too many and there'll always be someone who will say something negative uh, and it's how you want to take that information that you get. But always try and speak to someone who's managed, coached, played alongside, shared a dressing room with, them sort of, of people, you know, because inside of a dressing room, you can't hide your personality for a season or two seasons or however long you're there, it's going to come out, you know. So, yeah, we, we, we always do that and we always will do that. So when you're kind of looking at building building the squad, obviously a lot, it's, you know, you can't really do it over one window. So how much, how many kind of transfer windows do you think it does take to kind of really get a squad in an optimum place that you want it? I don't think it ever ends, to be fair, because I genuinely don't, because there's always good players who are available. Um, there's always form. You know, you you could think you've got the the ideal team, injuries, you know, lack of loss of form. So you've just got to, from our point of view, we've got to always be ready, you know, for, for whatever may be. You know, I mean, even look at the start of the season, and we, we lost Max and we lost Ashunta in a short space of time, who were going to be too important players for us um but what you do you you got to find a way and that's what we we've always got to do we've always got to do that in recruitment we've always got to do that in coaching and management you got to find a way so just finally uh what's the is there a position that you think is particularly difficult to recruit for that like the maybe like i don't know for whatever reason but yeah is there something that really sticks out as like a really tricky one to get in over the last couple of seasons center half's been very difficult, you know, really, really difficult. Um, I don't know, it seems like a lot of people, you know, it's like football has cycles and, and everyone's wanted centre-backs to step out and go and play. And For the last couple of seasons, trying to find a centre-half who can go and head it, compete, be aggressive, and ultimately, I, I'd be a centre-half. You know, do, do, the, do the dirty things first, be a defender, defend the box, they've been more difficult to find. Whether it's the way that academies are playing now, where there aren't, I watch a lot of under-23 games and there aren't many balls crossed into the box. You know, there aren't 
many corners that could straight into the box or all short corners. So trying to find some of these under 23 players who can then, and I have to put my my hat on it, hang my hat on it and say, yes, he'll go and defend the box. It's difficult to back it up because we don't see them do it. Um, so yeah, they've been a bit of a dying breed, um, the centre-halves who, who want to actually go and attack it and win, win ahead of us. Step forward, Farron Rawson. <laughs> Just to add to what to add to what you said earlier, I think you you mentioned he, he wins about ninety percent of his. Uh, yeah, I think he actually. I remember looking at it was a somebody posted a stat online that I think he won less something like eighty seven percent of his headers after the first three or four games of the season. So he's yeah. what you're looking for, really, in that kind of regard. Yeah, he is, and, and to be fair, I, I think Ryan's been excellent as well. You know, Ryan's Ryan's done the same on the left hand side. You know. Um, and like I said, they've got Jacob as well to balance off um, and, and allow them to make the, you know, to give us a bit of pacing behind as well. So, yeah, uh, that's that's the kind that I, I see as a bit of a bit of a dying breed now. Really, just one more I've just thought of. So, when when you are going out and watching games, is it is it? I think you kind of alluded to. Do you mainly go and watch the kind of under twenty threes games, or is it a bit of a mix, or do you watch much non league maybe? I try I try and watch as many games as I can at as many levels as I can. Uh, obviously, there's there's only me out, and there's only me doing it, so it's it's difficult. Um, but I need to be the man to come to if you're going to ask my my opinion on such a such a player in such a team. I've got to try and know as much as I can as quickly as I can. So at this moment in time, I've been trying to watch as many games as I can on, on a Saturday a Monday, a Tuesday, a Friday of teams that I've not already seen, you know, and keep visiting these places where I can get two teams at one time and get as many players seen as I possibly can. Very really interesting. Cheers. Back over to you, Freeze. Thanks for that, Greg. Um, no problem. It, it, sound, it sounds to me like, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I hope you've got a nice car. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's got wheels and it moves. That'll do for me. <laughs> No, it's, uh, my, my missus always says, uh, one of her favourite quotes is, life's, life's too short to drive a crap car. I hope you've got something that's really nice and comfy with a good stereo. <laughs> so moving on, Charlie, um, obviously time to come for your update, but I want to start by saying, uh, as I alluded to before, the, the only man from the boardroom at Forest Green, uh, and uh, uh, reading your... Uh, reading your programme notes and what you got up to, did you stand still much? No, she got there one minute past three as well. I actually managed my son's uh, first ever fo- under-eights football match and lost 6-3, needed a centre-half. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> um, I can't help you. Yeah, exactly. um, but um, so I drove all the way there, some road closures, got there one minute past three. Before I got there, I called Derek and said, well, man, can I be deputy kick man? Deputy Kitman is coming to sit with us, so well, I got in, got right to the front. Derek I sat down next to Barry Roach, yeah, and uh, and uh, that was obviously like living the dream, you know, as a, as a fan, which was brilliant. Um, then at half time, I just walked across the, 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 walked across the pitch to the uh, away fans. Obviously, there was a lot of stuff on social media, but there was not many fans, so I bought them all a drink and uh. Some chips and lots of people weren't. Lots of people weren't having having great. There was gravy available. They weren't having it. I was very disappointed. Northern um, boys, northern boys, yeah, very, 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 very disappointed. Even though it's pretty mean gravy. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to interrupt and go to Atherton boy. Chips <laughs> and gravy or not? Oh, you can't not have chips and gravy. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, 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 
<laughs> We're disappointed. Several Morecambe fans not having gravy with the chips, but they've crossed off the shrimps list for me now. <laughs> yeah, then I went back. Then I went back to the, to the box for about five minutes because yeah, it was on my own. Then I went on, on the uh, on, on the co-commentary with Dave Salmon and called the winner before Dave Dave called Farron Ross to sort of the winner. So uh, a fantastic day, and uh, just you know the the the, the um. The atmosphere around the squad is really, really positive. Like Greg was saying, everyone's really happy. You know, I know we got the win, but you know, I think even we've got joy to be pretty positive. The fans are all positive and happy. Um, we've got great. We're so lucky to have the, the guys to follow us away. Um, and it was just all a fantastic, fantastic day. And uh, I think it's going to be. I think I think the Forest Green result last week will have a similar effect to the um, the Burton game last year. Yeah, I've just got a feeling about it. I think uh, with, the, with, the, with the penalty shootout win, um, win inverted commas, on, um, on Tuesday, I think a lot of these neg people are going to be going away and we've got a big game against our bogey team, Cambridge. Derek's going to want to be a good win because we've seen four pretty bad defeats in the last, since Derek joined. So uh, am I right in thinking you, you, were, you were trying to buy chips and gravy for all 112 away fans? Is that what you're saying? Well, unfortunately, they they they, uh, they uh, a lot of people didn't. Did, some people caught on to it. Some people already bought their stuff. Some people were drinking tea and coffee with real milk. They smuggled into the ground. So they didn't have to drink soy, soy milk and stuff like that. But uh, I, I, I I have to buy everyone a drink. But other people didn't take it, take me up on it. So fair enough. I tried. Well, that, bless your heart. But so I, I appreciate what you're saying and the fact that you know it was great to win, get the first win of the season. The away fans were really, really positive. The only downside is there's people refusing gravy, which I just find very hard to believe. That's that. I mean, that's sacrilege. <laughs> so go on. Then you've got up, you've got updates for us from the from the boardroom and what's going on behind the scenes, Charlie, as always. Yes, yes. So um, we're moving dog. That's <laughs> my dog in the background, Pablo. Um, Pablo the crazy cabot. Um, yeah, so we're uh, we look we, we the head of media, we've um we've we've got a short list together of a couple of people, but we're gonna go back and get some more candidates because um we were we this we, we want some other people to compare it to. It's obviously quite a difficult time to look for a head of media because obviously people are in the string of things looking for their they're getting down and so busy to, <laughs> probably, none of them are probably looking for a job because they're so busy doing all the media <laughs> for their clubs. Yeah. Um, so we've got two guys on the shortlist at the moment, one to have three or four. That's going to take a couple more weeks. Matt Smith's going to be juggling that for now. So if any fans are getting worried about a bit less stuff on social media for the next couple of weeks, that's because uh, Matt's being a student, working full-time at the club, new baby, all that sort of stuff. So please bear with us on that. But we will we will make sure we get some, uh, some uh, very good candidates for that. Um, we did have a, a, a one very strong candidate uh, who, could, who can't now relocate, which is a shame. Um, and then we're just on the way to uh, um, Cambridge trying to get a big crowd in. I was going to say, it was it used to be an uh, international break, didn't it, last season? This game would have probably been called off, so it's quite good to be continuing the, the uh, momentum from last week. So I think the ticket sales are going fairly well. We are aware of the uh, M6 closures in the next few weeks. It's open. They've cancelled yeah. that. It's open. How is it open? When was it open? They've announced it today. There's going to be, it's southbound only. There will be two lanes open. Uh, and there can, will, can we get to Accrington? Uh, yeah, you can get to Accrington. Yeah, you oh. can. There'll be two lanes open. They're going to close it, I think, 
what I read today where they're going to close it at 9 p.m. and open it again at 6 a.m. But it, so it's, instead of being closed for 24, well, for 72 hours, it's actually closing at night. So uh, it's going to be open during the day, which is positive. So yes, we had our quarterly board meeting last week. Everything's going well with the, with the, with the funds and the club, and the, everything's really positive. And just want to get through, as I said, my program notes coming this Saturday that I think the fair, fair reflection will be at the end, the end of October. We played all the few more teams around us to show where we where we belong as the um, first part of the season in the in the league. I think because I don't, I I really don't think we deserve to be in the bottom four. I think we, we're probably lower mid table at the moment on on on, on potential, and uh, we're going to try and get some football fortune together to get some more to get Greg some extra cash for the uh, transfer window in December. Was Derek be knocking on the door in November? I'm sure, but. Um, you know, if we get some really good performances on, Greg, and we get some uh, positivity going in a higher league position, people are going to want to come and play for us, aren't they? That's the plan. That's the plan. That sounds a good plan to me. To be fair, like, like like we said, everyone wants to be part of something when it's going well, you know, so, you know, we can get some, get a, keep, well, I, I was going to say, get some form, continue our form and add the wins to it as well. Um, yeah, I think we'll be in a good position. So looking at the, we've got Cambridge at home uh, on Saturday. Uh, and before we were doing the recording, I was alluding to the fact that they are a bit of a bogey team for us, Joel. We've uh, we managed to lose uh, 5-0 and 2-0 last year without really getting a, uh, the last two seasons, without really getting a kick against them at home. And the away games, we've lost both of them 2-1 uh, to a dodgy penalty. So I think we're due some luck, aren't we? Yeah, I was actually kind of looking into our form against Cambridge. So the last six games, it's been five defeats in a row and one draw. However, the six games before that, uh, we were unbeaten. We were four wins and two draws. So if we're going to go off that pattern, it cycles of six. So we'll do a few wins. <laughs> so I'm really scraping the barrel there, aren't I? But yeah, I, I, think... like, I like you thinking. Like <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a bit of a pattern to it, isn't it? But yeah, you know, Cambridge, uh, as much as, as infuriating they are, as they are, because we keep not beating them, keep losing to them. You know, they're, 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 a, they're a team that are in a kind of similar position to us. They're competing probably with one of the lower budgets in, in League One. A lot of people will be like, what are you doing here in this division? But, uh, you know, they've got a good little set going. And uh, I think there are some similarities in the kind of style and that, you know, probably a bit more low possession, and a bit direct at times. So it'll be an interesting kind of clash, I think, on Saturday. And, uh, We'll probably see a few. They'll probably get a little bit more time the ball, which would be nice to see. Kind of the likes of Shaw and Weir and Taylor maybe kind of play a bit, uh, do, you know, do their stuff a bit more. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, hopefully we'll get this next block of six going our favour. I think the bogey team thing is more about the, the time of the season we played them. As I remember, we beat Charlton two one in the first game of the season, and we played them. We lost five nil or four four or five nil. Then we lost to Newcastle seven nil. Yeah. We lost someone else 5 0. I can't remember who it was. Crawley 4 0. Crawley 4 0. Yeah, 4 0. Yeah, 0 at half time, lost 4 0. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and it was like world ending. Then we got it back, got promoted. Then last year, we were doing quite well. I seem to remember we lost we, got, we, we lost 2 0, but it, it was like a really, really bad 2 0. We, we, got, we got destroyed. Uh, like MK, MK Dons, we lost 4 0, but we played a lot better than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and then, then both the last two away games, Cole scored that goal. Like we 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 beaten Burton and Oxford. And we played them away, and Cole scored the absolute like, wonder goal. Screaming. 
dodgy penalty a minute later. I mean, it was just like that. That penalty, everyone was like, that penalty might stop us, might relegate us. Yeah, it was. It was that sort of feeling. And the year before, Gibbo got sent off in the last man, pretty much on the corner flag. Yeah, and we were getting automatic. That, that that result stopped us getting automatic promotion. It did, and they again. That was a dodgy penalty where Ryan yeah. Cooney went in for a tackle, and their guy was running alongside him and stuck his foot out so that Ryan Cooney kicked it and then fell over, and the ref gave it. And even yeah. after the game, Mark Bonner went, "Yeah, it was a bit of a lucky penalty." And I, lucky, dear God, you know. So yeah, we are. We do a bit of luck. So I'm envisaging this. Faz did it last week. Jensen Weir, he was on loan at Cambridge, wasn't he? So he's bound to score against them on Saturday. Discuss. <laughs> you know what? If the ball's uh, the ball's falling on the edge of the eighteen yard box to anyone, I'm sure he'd be in the top couple that you'd want it to fall to. Yeah. You know, he's he's got good technique. Uh, he's not scared to have a shot on goal. Um, and like you say, it's scoring against your old team. If that's a pattern we're going to go down, then uh, yeah, fingers crossed, it's going to be Jensen. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping so. I think the Gabba Sutton said on Saturday they didn't play very well against Cheltenham last week and they lost 3-0 to Barnsley at home the last week. So they um, Barnsley as well. Yeah. Mm. So um Barnsley are improving though, aren't they? So uh again, I fingers think crossed, fingers crossed. If, if it all goes wrong, blame Greg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like you just sound like my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we'll wrap up now. Um it's been an interesting as always, and thanks for coming on, Greg. I'm just going to close with uh, Joel. With you've got anything up to update from the trust? Not too much this week, uh, aside from uh, I do now have the confirmed date of the the Halloween party for trust members. That is the 28th of October at uh, Morecambe Cricket Club. So yeah, we'll have uh, a bit more of that on that on social media. So keep an eye out. Oh, get your costumes ready. I know exactly. So that's it from the trust. Uh, thank you for listening to this. This has been episode eight. Um, we've uh, we've touched on some great ground because the simple fact is, you know, we, we finished last Saturday in the 93rd minute with Big Faz heading home for our first one of the season. And I'm hopeful when we come back next week that we'll be able to talk about Jensen Weir's 35-yarder into the top corner. And we've, uh, we've got rid of Cambridge, but you just never know, do you? So thanks to Charlie. Keep up the great work. Um, you know, try and get people to have gravy next time. Uh, Greg, um, thank you for coming on. It's been a real pleasure. It's been a fantastic insight on what, you, what you're doing. Uh, and obviously, when we're actually probably comfortably mid-table in January and you uh, and I've won the lottery, uh, you'll, you'll be busy get signing players that we really, really do fancy. So you'll have to come back on then. Is that OK? I look forward to the call. <laughs> he's also promised he's going to come to the Ipswich game on the, on the 8th, haven't you, Greg? Yes, I have. I need to run that by Derek first, but yeah, I have. Well, you're, you're allowed to cut. You're allowed to come, mate. You for the Ipswich. <laughs> well, like like I say, I'm always always out and about. To be fair, there's when we play, everyone else is playing. Um, but yeah, it is important that I see us as well. Well, fingers crossed, you bring us a bit of luck. And uh, Joel, thanks for your uh, magic as always. And uh, as soon as he, as soon as he, as soon as he said started stuff about the stats, your eyes lit up, and I was like, oh, this is mad from. <laughs> Good luck. I, I think you, before I came on, I think you two had cooked this up between you. But anyway, <laughs> so this has been Shrimpnet. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you like us, obviously uh, give us a like. If you don't, then obviously tell us what you don't like and we'll see if we can change it. But 
we seem to be doing okay. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.